listening to Dress to Kill Ministry. This message was recorded by one of our main speakers at our March 2023 D2K conference in Memphis, Tennessee. We pray this message blesses and encourages you to stand in faith for your needs and to walk in the fullness he has for you and your family. We look forward to seeing you at one of our next gatherings. We usually go on a slamming one once a year, and I, I look so forward to it, but I can't live on vacation. You know, it maybe lasts a week, maybe two weeks. Then I got to come home. And that's what I wanted to encourage you. These are good. This is like a spiritual vacation. I'm enjoying it as much as everybody else. But then we got to come home. So get in a local church. Find yourself a house of God. If you don't have one, put every effort forth to find one because that is where you grow. That is where you're nurtured. That is where you're protected and covered. So get in a local church. I, we can't stress it enough. Get in a local church. I shared this word in Tampa last winter, and I, I had a different word I wanted to go with, and I could not, and I mean I could not, get away from it. So here it is this morning. I want to tell you the title of the word that the Lord has given me is don't let your condition interfere with your position. I want to tell you that again. Actually, I want you to repeat it after me. I am not going to let my condition interfere with my position because there's a lot of things that happens to us through life they can mess us up really bad. And it can destroy the plan of God for your life, if you allow it to. So that's the word, that's the title of the word that I have to share. And here is where it starts. In, the, in 2 Samuel, see I'm in the wrong book. I'm trying to figure out why you can't see it, that's why. The story of David and Jonathan is a very powerful story. And this is where we're going to start. But before I even open up with the word, I just want you to stretch your hands towards me. And I want you to pray with me. Father, I thank you for the privilege. What a privilege it is to be your servant. To be called your handmaiden. I thank you for the company of believers that you've brought to this place. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your instruction. I thank you for your love and mercy that you've given us, my God. We don't deserve it. I've never done anything to deserve it. I am the least of your servants. But I thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to my life. I thank you in advance for what you're about to do in this room amongst this body, the, the restoration that's coming, the infilling that's coming, the encouragement that's coming, the strength in the week that's coming. I thank you for that this morning, God. And I praise you in Jesus' name. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, David makes a statement. 
And he said, and David said, is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I might show kindness on behalf of Jonathan? Now there was a servant from the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they summoned him to David. And the king said, are you Ziba? And he replied, I'm your servant. And the king said, is there no one left in the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness, the kindness of God? And Ziba responded to the king, there is a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both his feet. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. So the king sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Emmanuel, Emmanuel to, from Lodibar. Mephibosheth, the son of, I always have a hard time pronouncing that. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and bowed down. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he responded, I am your servant. And David said unto him, don't be afraid, for I will certainly show kindness on account of Jonathan, your father. And I will return every field of Saul, your father, and you will eat at my table perpetually. And he bowed low and said, what is your servant that you should be concerned about a dead dog like me? And, I, and that's where the story is. This man was crushed by life circumstances. In, in, let me just show you what happened to him. In the fourth chapter of 2 Samuel, and in the fourth verse, it says, Now Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was about five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse panicked, picked him up from, and fled. But in her haste to escape, she fell, and he became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Through no fault of his own, she grabbed him up. See, the dynasty of Saul was about to end, and it ended violently, bloody, and abruptly. The Philistines finally subdued Saul. So when this nurse got word what happened, she didn't know if the Philistines was going to take over the kingdom, the, the palace, or if Saul was going to come and, and subdue and wipe out everybody. But she knew destruction was coming. So she grabbed him up and she took off running. And in her haste, she dropped him. And I want to stop right there. There's people under the sound of my voice. You've been dropped. You've been dropped and you've been injured. You've been dropped and you've been hurt. There's people under the sound of my voice that the memory of what happened to you is constantly haunting you. It's preventing you from going on because it's crippled you. You know, let, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Crippled meaning not able to move. You can't move. You can't walk. You can't stand. You're crippled by your circumstances. The name Mephibosheth means shameful one. That's what it means. 
Imagine being labeled shameful one. You know, life will label us. Life will, just like Peggy said, you put the little thing on. Life will label you. You ever see that? I remember, you know, you'll see somebody come in, say, a, a, a wedding reception, and they'll walk through the door, and immediately you'll think he's a drunken idiot. Yeah. The drunken idiot's here. Then you'll, then you'll see someone else and you'll think to yourself, he's a chore. Watch what he does. You know, we, life will label us. He's a pathetic loser. She's barren. She's, we have one in our town, that worst gossip. They're a cracker. You want to know anything that's going on in someone's bedroom? Ask her. She knows all about it. Labels. And Mephibosheth was where carried a label. Some of us under the sound of my voice, you're carrying a label. And maybe nobody knows. See, this is the thing. Mephibosheth's injury was obvious. But there's some of us that, that can carry these injuries and you would never know what they're going through. But the private pain is still pain. The private injury is still there. It's just not obvious. We cloak it over. We, we put, cover it over. We put our, our brand new pink outfit on. We put our Lululemon on. We fuzz our hair out and spray ourselves with perfume and we blend into the crowd and we look like everybody else. But inside we're crushed. Inside we're wounded. And, and the thing that I love about this story the most is he hid out. He went to Lodibar. And when, on researching this word, I found out that Lodibar was almost 900 miles from Jerusalem. Your injury will cause you to dwell in a place that you were never intended to dwell. It'll make you uproot yourself. Bethlehem, Jerusalem. Bethlehem, the house of bread, it'll make you uproot yourself where you should be nourished. And on a map, I love the picture of it. When I pulled it up on a map, I just want you to get a visual of this. All around was green and Lodibar was gray. Nothing growed in Lodibar. You know, let me tell you the definition of the word Lodibar. Lodibar means no thing, pastorless, place of no issue, barren, without speech. But the main thing that jumped out at me is Lodibar means no bread. Breadless, imagine. Now we're talking about a day and age where that's where people lived on bread and water. Occasional piece of fruit. Something like that. And we know Jesus is the bread of life. He's our nourishment. He's what keeps us.
There's a reason why the word of God calls him the living water and the bread of life. Because that's what's going to keep you. That's what's going to nourish you. That's what's going to strengthen you. That's what's going to give you the ability to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And the, the, the injury and the wound kept him from being nourished. It took him away from the bread. And that's exactly what happens under the sound of my voice. It'll keep you from the bread of life. It'll keep you from that living water. It'll take you in a place of barrenness, unproductiveness, when God has got a place and a thing for us to do. But the old injuries will keep us barren, lifeless. I come to tell somebody something. You're getting ready to pack your bags and head out. I, got a, I couldn't get away from this word. I tried every way in the world. And the Lord said, you'll do what I tell you to do. And I said, okay, I sure will. Yes, sir. Now, I want you to, get a, I want you to think about this for a minute. This man is leaving Lodibar. He's not leaving voluntarily. The king sent a company to retrieve him from Lodibar. He was an entourage, an army. Imagine coming to the door, knocking on the door. You open in the door and here's the king's army. You're coming with us. He didn't know what was going to take place. He had no idea what was going to happen. He, he didn't know. He figured there was death there. Because in all, in kingdom protocol, the kings always took care of this, the, the former subjects and their families so that there'd be no uprising. You know, they just annihilated everybody associated with that dynasty and they started a new one. So I'd imagine in Mephibosheth's mind, he figured this is curtains. You can't hide from the king. Listen, he loves you so much that he's in passionate pursuit of you. He don't want you to stay in Lodibar. He don't want you to be broken. He don't want you to be crippled. He don't want you to be wounded. He knows your heart. You can't hide in Lodibar from him. Because he'll send out angel armies to root you out. They'll knock on your door. Listen, Revelation 3 said, I behold, I knock on the door. I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking on the door. Won't you open that door? And get delivered out. I'm excited what the Lord is going to do in this place today. This is what makes my heart beat. To see people delivered and set free. To be restored. To be renewed. To be refreshed. This is what I live for. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what breed of people you came off. I want to see you benefit in the kingdom. Flourish in the kingdom. So here he is. He's brought before the king, trembling, terrified, petrified, didn't know what was awaiting him in Jerusalem, had no idea. 
what the plan was, but how many knows we serve a merciful king? We serve a God that can do all things. We serve a God that knows the hair on your head. He knows you're sitting down and he knows you're rising up and he loves you. I want to tell you that because of the covenant. You know, I'm speaking now to the one that made a covenant, entered into a relationship with the Lord and something happened. Something in life happened and broke you. Today, he remembers the covenant that you made and he's calling you out of that dead situation. When we think about Mephibosheth being in Lodabar, it would be an awful tragedy if that was the end of the story. What a sad thing. But how many knows the king had plans? I was sharing this message with my nephew Richie in Disney World last winter, and he told me a story. They, uh, the Debbie Parker, Faye Hicks, and Pam, and Eddie, they're all beyond creative people. I mean, you can't believe the things they can do with tissue paper. I don't have a creative bone in my body. I can't, I mean, I'm not kidding you. I don't, I haven't got a crafty, I used to crochet years ago, it took too much time and I had to get over it. But he, he said his mom has the ability to take something that's no good. You know, I, and I thought about a mosaic. I, we went to Israel a few years ago and they took us to a factory where they made mosaic tables and, and, and not only were they beautiful, but they were really expensive. They were really valuable. They were different and unusual. And you know, that's, what, that's exactly what God does with brokenness. He'll take those pieces that are all scattered on the ground and he'll reconstruct them and he'll put something beautiful in its place. It's something unusual, something that draws people's attention, something that stands out from the average table on a porch. Mosaics. That's what he specializes in. He's a creative God. Look around at the world. Look at the, the, the flowers and the birds and all the different colors. He's so creative. He's a master creator. And don't think that he can't take your brokenness and turn it into something beautiful if you'll allow him. Give him a hand clap of praise. I got a feeling. I got a feeling that somebody is about to get reconstructed. I got a feeling somebody's going to be made something beautiful out of your brokenness. Your shattered pieces are about to turn in to his masterpiece. Amen. So the king summons him. And I was sharing with the girls. We know that, that God's love in, in the Greek is called agape. Everybody knows agape love. But what you don't know is that the Hebrew word is chesed. And chesed is the original Hebrew for undeserved mercy, for grace that you didn't 
weren't recipient of, that you didn't deserve, that shouldn't have been given to you, that he is so passionate and so consumed with reconstruction and restoration that he's reaching out to you just like King David did to Mephibosheth. There was no reason for him to be concerned about a broken dead dog in Lodabar. He was miles away. He was no threat to the kingdom. There was no reason whatsoever that he pursued him. But it, that's his character. That was David's character. Even God said, I'm going I'm to uh, call a man who's after my own heart. He had the heart of God. And you know, that's what makes us do the things that we do. Because his heart beats in our chest. We know the value. Listen, we're not talented. We don't know nothing. I mean to tell you literally, I'm not being cute. But I know one thing. I know the value of a soul. I know how important it is to take five minutes and speak to somebody, hug around them. I think that's why I love Margaret so much. She's so merciful and so compassionate to people that nobody else would give the time of day to. What a gift. What a gift. I stumbled across this, this scripture. How many got the... Uh, Spiritual Warfare Bible. How many of you has got it? You're going to love it. Listen, listen, to this, listen to this scripture in Hebrews 7. It's talking about... It's talking about the king. What's his name, Nor? Hold on. I'm in Matthew. That's why I can't find it. Melchizedek. Listen what he has to say, girls. I could relate to it so much. When I read it, I almost fainted on the chair. In, the, in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 7, it's going on to describe the, the war that Abraham had with the five kings over his nephew. We all know the story. They, they captured Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was captured right along with them. So Abraham roused up his whole house, and they went after Lot. And at the, they, they defeated him with 330 uh, armed men because the Lord was involved in it. And on his way back, he ran into Melchizedek. Now scholars will tell you that it was a, a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ himself. And, it be, and, and you know, it was, but we know one thing, it's, it certainly was symbolic, let's put it like that. Um, and Melchizedek, when he met him, was the king of Salem. And he was a high priest. And if anybody knows anything about Hebrew history, you can't be both. See, that's why they liken him to Jesus Christ. Because how many knows he was a king and he was also our high priest. And this is what Melchizedek was. He was, he was a, a man of astonishing character. He was a man of astonishing prestige. He was a king 
and he was a high priest. But listen to what verse 7 says. So when Abraham met him, he gave him a portion of his tithes. You know, they take spoil when they was at war. They gather up all the plunder and all the spoil that was theirs. It was like their payment for the war effort. So when they met Melchizedek, he gave him an offering. He paid a 10% of whatever he had taken as booty to this king priest. Listen what he says. And then Melchizedek blessed Abraham. And verse 7 says, without question, the inferior was blessed by the superior. Without question. Because he was, he, Abraham was inferior and Melchizedek was superior. And without question, the superior, the God of heaven, is looking to bless you this morning. He's looking to restore you this morning. And I, yes, give him a hand clap of praise. He died for your brokenness. It couldn't be accomplished until he paid the price. But the price is what he paid. Fully, totally paid in full. We have been blessed by the superior, our inferior, and don't let the enemy remind you and keep you in that broken place. And I have sheets of notes, literally sheets. But I'm going to obey the spirit of the Lord, okay? I'm going to obey what he says. And I want everybody to stand to their feet today. No one's looking at you, and you don't look at nobody else. I want every head bowed, and I want every eye closed. And I want you to, to get real this morning with the Creator because His finger is upon your life. You've tried to hide out in Lodabar. You've tried to assume a, 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 a low profile. You've tried to stay out of the spotlight. You've tried to stay out of the King's vision. You said, if I go way over here, He'll never know that I'm there. And I could just live my life in my quiet brokenness. But how many knows the great divine arranger is taking the pieces of your broken puzzle. The great divine arranger is taking your brokenness. He's getting ready to do some, some things in this place that is going to cause you to testify for the rest of your days. He's getting ready to take your brokenness and turn it into something beautiful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you begin to search yourself. You begin to come to terms. I'm getting ready to leave. I want everybody under the sound of my voice to say, I'm getting ready to leave Lodi Bar. I'm getting ready to leave that place where there's no bread. I'm getting ready to leave that barrenness. I'm getting ready to leave that unproductiveness. I'm getting ready to leave that gray, dry place. I'm not going to stay there. He don't want you to stay there another second. Now, as the girls play something soft, just something soft, 
just like I remember going into the operating room when I had my little Nora and they had music just playing softly and I kept thinking to myself what is the deal with the music why are they playing music when they're about to saw me open softly God is getting ready to do some surgery he's getting ready to remove some things out of your spirit the healer of, of giddy of the healing balm of Gilead is in this place. He's getting ready to bring some healing. I ministered to somebody at the altar last night. I said he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace had been laid upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. He paid the ultimate price for this today. You don't have to do nothing but receive. Come up to these altars and lay it down. Come up to these altars and put yourself in his hands. Come up to these altars and receive restoration. And he promised. He said to Mephibosheth, you will eat at my table continuously. You will no longer be hungry. You will no longer be in lack. You will no longer have a deficit, but you're going to be healed and you're going to be taken care of. How many wants the master to take care of them this morning? I want him to, I want to eat at his table. I want to receive that. I don't deserve to be there. I'm an old dead dog, but he said I was worth dying for. He said I was worth him laying his life down for. And now who am I to slap the hands of the king away? Don't slap the hands of the king away. Forget it. The word of God said is that he throws our sins as far as the east is from the west. Never to be brought up again.